0: Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast.
1: I'm Rob. I'm Amanda.
0: And this is episode nine, Double Fisting Justice. Because <laughs> I would have gone with the four fists of justice, but it sounds desperately close to pornography even I wouldn't watch, so. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, it actually would have been the six fists of justice, which is even worse. Six <laughs> fists, one cup?
1: The iron fist of justice. Oh, Jesus.
0: <laughs> because, yeah, uh... Based on when we're recording this, which is uh, the May 6, thousand twelve, the subject is the Avengers movie.
1: Iron Fist wasn't in the Avengers movie. Spoiler! <laughs> for Christ's
0: sake, <laughs> but so yeah, it's been out for a couple of days in the United States. Uh, I've seen it three times. I've seen it twice. So yeah, it's uh, in the actual review that we uh, uh, that, that I did. That I tried like hell not to spoil anything. Uh, based on the first Hollywood numbers, this fucker's made $200 million, which means...
1: It's made an obscene amount of money. Yeah,
0: w- which means you've seen it by now.
1: And if you haven't seen it, it means you are in a bomb shelter somewhere hiding from black helicopters or something. Yeah, with something.
0: that, that kind of take, if you, for some reason, haven't seen it, and why the fuck are you at this website? Exactly. You are in the wrong place.
1: So welcome, brothers, sisters... Mutant Orvalords, all that stuff. Yes, so,
0: <laughs> all right, so it, h- how do we want to start this? And obviously, it, we didn't, I, I didn't see it three times because of Blue Goats. You know, oh. I, I thought it was, yeah, you know, ar- not even arguably, it's the best superhero movie that I've seen, and M. Night Shyamalan's Unbreakable held that spot for a very long time, which I know I'll take shit for anyway, but...
1: My favorite superhero movie for the longest time was probably the very first Tim Burton Batman, and I think this surpassed it in my mind.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, we could have the argument that we always have that I preferred Batman Returns, but Spider-Man 2 kicked the crap out of both of them, and Avengers kicked the living shit out of all of it. It pretty much, I think, all worked. I mean, it was a team superhero comic in movie form. It had... All the elements. You know, the first time the heroes meet, they fucking fight, and they argue and bicker, and then decide to team up. And you know, there's two or three really good team-up sequences, and they play their powers off each other. And it, it was the best of team comics. You know, pretty much flawlessly adapted. You know, just in movie form.
1: Well, I mean, Joss Whedon, who um, wrote the script, has an excellent understanding of screwed up individuals who, who are misfits, who are loners and don't have any particular reason to want to be around other people um, but to find the heart in those characters and, and to find a reason to bring them together for the betterment of our society. So <laughs> <laughs> don't look at me like that.
0: <laughs> uh, d- uh, all right.
1: Well, no, I'm I not sure
0: where Dollhouse really got the betterment of our society considering the world was destroyed. The betterment
1: of our dystopian society. Yeah, okay. I
0: <laughs> I guess I'll get behind that, <laughs> but I mean, it, what worked for you? Was there anything that didn't work?
1: Um well, the one thing that didn't work for me, I, I will get to it in a minute cuz it's going to also lead into the one big thing that we both felt worked. Yeah. <laughs> um but in terms of, of what worked for me, the majority of it worked for me. I didn't really ever have a moment watching this where I was dragged out of the story. Okay. Um, and in terms of other things that we may get to later in this discussion, even when we saw it in 3D, because I've seen it now in 3D and in 2D, the 3D worked for me in a way that when we went to, say, for example, uh, went to go see Tron Legacy, it didn't work. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, do we want to talk about 2D versus 3D now? Because I saw it twice in 3D.
1: Well, why don't we start with that then?
0: Yeah, I, I saw it twice in 3D. Um, The the first time was just sort of catch as catch can. You know, got there late, managed to get tickets, you know, with, sat in the front. And just it was an awful, horrible pile of shit. I felt like I was going blind. There were times where the effects just sort of, looped in on themselves, and I got vertigo.
1: And that's how we felt watching Tron Legacy.
0: Yeah. The second time we saw it, we took advantage of the fact that we're in our 40s and have jobs and shit, and got one of those, you know, went to one of those luxury theaters where they will bring you booze to your seat so you can...
1: In your nice leather seat. Yes. Made out of the the hides of children from yes, that, somewhere.
0: That when you fart into, everyone looks at you funny, but you're drinking, so you don't really <laughs> give a shit. But you're also up in a balcony at a perfect viewing distance, and I I thought it worked a lot better. It wasn't nearly as glaring or difficult to watch. Now, that has nothing to do with Avengers in and of itself. That's a technological flaw. Um, Avengers was... But but I would
1: say, not to interrupt you, but there is this push to put all of these things that don't need to be in 3D in 3D.
0: Well, yeah, they're... Hollywood is trying to make up some of the money they're losing to. I mean, at this point, streaming Netflix even over DVD. Yeah. You know, by chucking gimmicks. You know, uh, to watch it in 3D. You can look. You know, into the Avengers for you know an extra five bucks. Yeah. You know, in but ten no, years, you, you it'll can't be
1: really. I mean, you can you can look. It, it's not as immersive, I think, as they would like you to believe it is. At best, it's. Uh, I had a couple of moments in the 3D version where I was watching action sequences, and Hulk was doing this, and Iron Man was doing that, and it it felt like what it might have been like to watch the hollow chess game in Star Wars. (laughs) Like, look, they're they're capering about, but they're still too far away, and I know I can't really touch (laughs) them. Well,
0: yeah, and there's, you know, with that also the issue, you know, as I get older and my vision's starting to go, you know, if you look into what looks like a window that should have depth and somebody in the background is out of focus, my eyes are constantly trying to rack focus to bring them into focus, and yeah, you know, then I have the mild seizure, <laughs> and they have to bring me more beer in my leather seat. And Start it's,
1: foaming at the mouth. It's
0: really just a mess. And uh, to my understanding, and I could be wrong uh, on this, uh, Avengers was shot in 2D, and yes. they did the process to make it 3D. I believe so. so. I, I thought it worked better in 2D. You know, the 3D's a nice gimmick, but it's just an attempt to... Yeah, you know, suck an extra five bucks out of my wallet. In ten years, it'll be. Please come to the movie theater. If you pay an extra four dollars, we'll give you a hand job under the <laughs> you know, freaking table. Well, I, I we'll do the popcorn trick for you.
1: <laughs> I thought the two D worked better as an immersive experience because, for myself, um, as a selfish adult who never got to sit in the front row as a child because my parents were convinced it would ruin my eyes, I now can pay for my own ticket and i'm going to sit in the front row. and when you sit in the front row and you are c- confronted with the the bombastic ah of avengers, it's quite immersive.
0: Yeah, uh, i don't disagree. I, I like the better into.
1: Yeah. It. So, i mean, until until the technology for 3D and and the light gets to the point where they actually create holographs that i can sit amongst, it's never going to be immersive enough to justify the the increase in price. Yeah. I mean, holographs, holograms. <laughs>
0: Uh, frankly, the two times I saw it in 3D was because those were the tickets that were available based on where I happened to be. I've seen it three times in three different theaters, for <laughs> Christ's sake. It's true. So.
1: so in terms of the only thing that didn't actually actively work for me, it didn't need to be in 3D. But I mean, that's not enough of a detractor. It's like, oh, it ruined it for me. It didn't. Nice people were bringing me booze and nachos. So.
0: Okay. So th- there's nothing in it that didn't work for you? Which is fine. I'm sitting here trying to think.
1: No, honestly um, I never really had any moment where I was like that doesn't ring true or that's dragging me out of the story. So on that level, no, everything worked.
0: Okay. And, and I'll give the warning that it, it, this is the part where we just start to spoil the living shit yeah, out of the movie. if
1: you were trying to avoid being spoiled, go see the movie and come back. You yeah. know you want to anyway.
0: <laughs> uh, the one thing that sort of popped me out of it and i guarantee you the deleted scenes are on the the blu-ray or the dvd when it comes out um the sequence where the team is at its lowest and banner is you know butt naked talking with you know harry dean stanton <laughs> and uh you know, iron man and captain america are yelling at each other and thor is standing there looking at his hammer and flexing his hand and
1: Why doesn't my hammer force work?
0: Well, I mean, that's the thing. (laughs) It was never implicitly said the hammer won't go to him. But in my head, am I I seeing something here that's sort of to be implied that, oh, he's not worthy now for some reason, since only the worthy can lift the hammer of Thor? It
1: didn't drag me out of it, but I did have a moment where, yeah, I I too questioned whether there would be a deleted scene later.
0: Yeah, and that's not a story problem, because I'll bet you that's... In the story, it's an editing problem.
1: Well, all right, in, know, and, along in a movie the,
0: that's two hours and twenty minutes long, you got to make some of these choices.
1: Along the same vein, um, within that same sequence, yeah, Mark Ruffalo is sitting there, buck ass naked, talking to Harry Dean Stanton, and I'm looking at him, and I'm sorry, that is not a man who got beat up as a child. That is not a man who who got swirlies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, just on a on a, a physical level, for for a moment, I'm like. I'm buying your characterization, sir, but physically, you did not get beat up as a child.
0: Well, <laughs> to be fair, from the Incredible Hulk movie, uh, that was never really a part of it. We're bringing stuff from Marvel Comics <laughs> down to... And my childhood. Yeah, well, <laughs> many of our childhoods, if you're of our particular demographic, but...
1: But in terms of physicality, as, as how Banner has been drawn over the years, he... He seemed rather more physically able to handle his shit before he hulked out than other physical characterizations.
0: Well, uh, which is true, but I think you're flashing back to the original, you know, Jack Kirby. Yeah. He was a four eyed.
1: Or even how he's being drawn under this uh, Mark Silvestri designed, whilst Portaccio. Yeah. Current incarnation.
0: Yeah, I mean, but that doesn't have to be there. Yeah, he, he doesn't need to be a powerless nerd, and particularly with the Peter David backstory, you know, of he was abused as a child. It's about sublimated rage.
1: No, absolutely.
0: Yeah, that's the key with the Hulk. You know, it, I- if you got your ass kicked constantly as a child, I'm willing to believe that somebody once they had some, you know, sweet science grant money, because scientists are walking around with all the fat cash <laughs> pulling this out of my ass, but. You know, maybe you got some fucking barbells, and you know, this is just about you wanting to fuck Mark Ruffalo. Don't <laughs> don't think I don't fucking know this. Don't worry, I'll get mine when we start talking Black Widow. You do have a thing
1: for redheads. <laughs> I, I do. I, in fact, I do.
0: But that's neither here nor there.
1: No, I I I um I do agree with what you're saying, and and that does make a valid point that you you can be a physically able individual and still have psychological scars from things you could not control when you were powerless.
0: Yeah, I want to see Stephen Hawking turn into the Hulk. <laughs> now, that's a great movie. But so... if there's
1: anybody on the planet who could actually manage that, just it of... would be Stephen Hawking. Yeah, he
0: motorized <laughs> wheelchairs up to a fucking stairway and he can't find the ramp. And, uh, <laughs> and the roaring is that voice box. <laughs> 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 oh,
1: that's going to haunt me now. Thanks for <laughs> that. <laughs>
0: Uh, I haven't even been drinking. It's terrible. Don't make
1: me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, there just wasn't that much there that didn't work. You know, the entire thing hung together as a comic book story. And, yeah, the the big moments worked. I guarantee are going to be the same for everyone. Iron Man's entrance in Stuttgart with... ACDC playing. Third time I saw it today, I still got goddamn goosebumps.
1: And even though they always seem to revert to what was sort of this blow-you-away moment in the very first Iron Man movie, where he comes down, and it's like, one hand on the ground, crouching, looking up like, ah, oh, the hero has arrived. It still works. Every time he lands that way, it's like, it's like the first time. It's like, that's so awesome.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd mean, i sell my soul to be able to make an entrance. <laughs> I want to
1: make an entrance like that. I want to make an entrance like that at work tomorrow. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, th- even if it's a, somebody with a beatbox behind me, if it shattered every vertebra in my spine just to do it once would be awesome. I
1: going to show up with, with ACDC blaring on my tinny car radio. I'm going to leap down the stairs to the front of my building and land on a crouch with a hand on the ground. I'm going to look up and then they're going to fire me.
0: <laughs> Don't do that. We need the money to go see Avengers again later this week. Okay. <laughs> and uh, uh, Jesus, the Hulk sucker punch of Thor. Uh, it's a throwaway moment, but everybody's going to remember that. Yeah. Uh, the Hulk just beating Loki like a, a, somebody trying to dash the brains out of a kitten.
1: Yeah, yeah. He, he was, it was like it was laundry that he was trying to wash on the rocks. It was just... <laughs> yeah, but it was fucking magnificent. It was. I it, The only times also with Hulk where I had a couple of moments of, eh. This is probably one of the far best CGI versions of the Hulk to date. That being said, there were still a couple of moments where it's like, okay, the CGI in contrast to the live-action players, just off enough where it's like, ugh, okay, I can see the CGI, but still better than in the past.
0: Yeah, it didn't really drag me out of it in particular. Um, In the first Hulk with Eric Bana, it was a lot more glaring, but yeah, I, I didn't really have a problem with it. I mean, everybody, from what I've read and take it with a grain of salt. I last read it in Wikipedia, so <laughs> you can always trust what you read there, but I think Ruffalo did his own motion capture.
1: Yeah, his, his Hulk was definitely much more informed by things that were ape-like <laughs> based on his physicality. He had a yeah. lot, of, lot of fists down on the ground and
0: yeah. beating of chest. And the the face looked like him, but they make a big deal about that in every Hulk movie. You know, oh, the, it looks like Eric Bana. It looks like, uh, what's his fucking name? And Ed Norton? Yeah, it looks like Ed, yeah. I didn't have a problem with that. I thought it was funny. This is the first time the Hulk has ever had a Jufro. That was kind of sweet. <laughs>
1: well, I thought he was slightly graying, which was the thing that I was like, huh, really? <laughs> well, because <laughs> Ruffalo was slightly graying. Um, the the thing for me, I, I always hold it to, uh, shortly after I saw one of the Hulk movies, I think that was the first one. We saw League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which was not as good a movie.
0: As almost any other movie ever made. Ever, played.
1: yeah. However, they had that uh, Mr. Hyde, who was done entirely as a physical character. It was all well, physical practical effects. effects. Yeah, <laughs> practical effects. And, and that just worked for me so much better for that sort of character that I always am constantly kind of comparing. Like, why can't they find a way to better blend practical effects with CGI effects for the Hulk.
0: Because Ferigno wants too much money.
1: <laughs> Although he, he wasn't allowed to uh, to voice over that one line. That one line, yeah.
0: <laughs> notice they only ever let him do one line.
1: Also, notice they only ever let Stanley show up for like 10 seconds.
0: Well, <laughs> true. But I mean, realistically, the Hulk was probably the biggest, not necessarily surprising, but breakout yeah. character in the entire thing.
1: Well, they didn't have to uh, give him an A story and a B story and a love interest and all of the other stuff that bogged down and were problematic for the other movies. Yes, it it just got to be Ruffalo struggling with himself and having to deal with the invasion of the Earth by aliens. But
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and we can get to talking about why it worked here and didn't work in his own movies. Individual Hulk movies nearly as well.
1: Not Ruffalo's own movies.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was a shitty Hulk, and the kids are all right. Jesus, I didn't believe he was a rage monster for one minute. I know. I know. But <laughs> Ruffalo's characterization of Bruce Banner was very different from Bana's and Norton's. I don't think Norton could have done what uh, Whedon wrote. I, I assume he'd. You know, there must have been it, a
1: reason or, why he walked at the very beginning of the whole process. Uh,
0: yeah, I'm still not sure why that was, but Ruffalo played it measured and somewhat subdued with almost an understanding of, yep, at any moment this could happen to me, and that is a risk. And it's it's a bigger risk for you than me because there was the interesting story choice of you can't fucking kill me. This finally addressed yeah. the one thing people have asked for years. Well, shit, dude, if this is happening to you, why don't you eat a bullet? Well,
1: totally he tried. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> tried it. So, okay, you can't kill me. So, the Hulk is your problem. Yeah. yeah so, Banner was almost menacing in and of his own right.
1: Yeah, and I, I searched around on the internet. It's my understanding that Ruffalo has a, a stage background. So the, the stuff he did about Banner that fascinated me were the little pieces of business, the, that that measured approach, the, the characterization that he's dealing with all of the crap being thrown at him with humor because it, his only other option is to be angry, and we know what angry leads to. So that just measured sarcasm. <laughs> I wouldn't have shown up if I wasn't, you know, able to be dealing with being poked or, like when yeah. when starks being a dick to him <laughs>
0: <laughs> well from a story standpoint it, and this is all extrapolation that's one thing i found kind of interesting that that line that really stuck with me and it's not one anybody i know of who who has seen it has really stuck on but the you know my secret is i'm always angry
1: yeah no i picked up on that and that yeah, yeah. but Go ahead.
0: <laughs> extrapolating You know, where he was just, in that moment, just able to turn into the Hulk and had a certain amount of control. I think if there's another Hulk movie, what we're going to start learning is, he's, the man's a scientist. Yeah. He's been experimenting. And he has, I'm guessing on this, learned over time that it doesn't matter if, it's not the anger, necessarily. But... You know, whatever it is, too much stress or anything, and he has learned to exert a certain amount of control over it. No, obviously yeah. not total, because he went utterly berserk in his first appearance.
1: Well, and, and I have a theory about that also, about the why he turned berserk in the first appearance as opposed to later where he had a seemingly controlled change into the Hulk. Um, In that first appearance, spoilers again, everyone, if you're just tuning in now somehow.
0: It's too fucking late.
1: Um, he's around an artifact acquired from Loki that has been emitting a low level of gamma radiation that he's probably been absorbing in addition to what he's already absorbed Loki has sort of clearly been manipulating the situation including him specifically mentally since their arrival on on the helicarrier helicarrier (laughs) you're from Boston just
0: let it fly
1: (laughs) and also we've learned that the Hulk, when he perceives that Banner is in danger, will just show up. So uh, a, a confluence of, of events occur that sort of is, is the hat trick that makes him turn. All right.
0: Now, see, I hadn't really picked up on the... Uh, they clearly said that it was that uh, the glow stick of doom or whatever Tony Stark called it. Destiny. Glow stick of destiny. <laughs> destiny. was emitting gamma radiation. I hadn't made that connection. And as, he's holding it in his hand.
1: At yeah. one and they put the stick down.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I hadn't made that connection. And, yeah, the concept that he is, whenever Banner is in danger, he emerges and does whatever he has to do.
1: To protect Banner. That's why he's willing to take out everybody on the ship, because that's the threat at the moment. The ship is the threat. Whereas later, the, the people around him are not the threat. The aliens coming from the sky are the threat. Yeah,
0: it's. Uh, I hadn't really picked up on that. I could English major you know, <laughs> attacking the crashing ship from inside. I'm not sure I totally buy into that. Well,
1: he he didn't really care about the physical surroundings. He cared about the fact that he he remembered the the pretty girl who got him in this circumstance. Therefore, she was responsible. He re- he's being attacked by this Thor thing. He didn't know what that is other than he's being attacked. He wants.
0: Yeah. To be left alone. (laughs) Yeah. And I also hadn't picked up on the Hulk may have some vague memory that Black Widow was the one who dragged him into this. Yeah. That does make a certain amount of sense. I can buy into that.
1: But, you know, later later on, the fact that he he demonstrates this you know sort of controlled ability to change taps into. And I don't I don't know if Whedon intended this it's possible, although he's also a, a clever guy, and we may see how this plays out in some other sequel. In the Marvel uni- Marvel universe right now, everybody but Banner actually has the controlled ability to change. And they, they've got this theory running, I think Jeff Parker talked about this in an interview, that because the Hulk portion of, uh, say, uh, Red Hulk's persona, or Red She-Hulk's persona, Deals with the rage in their lives, when they are not Hulked out, they're measuredly calmer, because they've been able to sublimate it through the Hulk persona. So even though that anger, that rage is always there, th- they themselves in their lives seem calmer.
0: Which, w- which I'll buy into for the the comic book, but I'm not sure it applies to this. Just based on well, because it applies of, to everybody but Banner. <laughs> well. Except in the the Avengers movie, that that I'm always angry. Well, that, that doesn't
1: mean that they're not angry. Especially if you look at um Red She Hulk Betty Ross right now. She's angry
0: <laughs> well, all the time. <laughs> yeah, and and that's true. Ross uh, is
1: angry all the time. He's just a soldier, so he's able to separate, you know, business from not business.
0: Well, and, and what we may find is that If Banner has, in fact, come up with the secret of, I'm just angry all the time, maybe that allows him, under certain circumstances, to maintain a certain amount of his own persona in the Hulk. It's possible. he, He refers to him constantly as the other guy, and I'm wondering how much of it really is the other guy at this point, if we don't find out in another Hulk movie in 2013, 2014, or an Avengers sequel, if it's... No, I went to these shit splat countries, not only so nobody would bother me, but where I could run controlled experiments and not hurt anybody. Yeah. You know, figure out what causes the change, how far can I go, and if I get to a certain point. Because I really got the sense there was a lot going on under the surface of, this is still an extremely dangerous thing that I am, yeah, no, but I'd... it's not as bad as it was in the earlier movie or movies.
1: And, and I would like to see them explore that eventually. Yeah. Without the absorbing man.
0: Oh, Christ. Not <laughs> fucking absorbing man.
1: Jesus. Or Hulk dogs. <laughs> yeah. I mean... I would like to see... And we're getting off track here. I would like to see a straight-ahead werewolf movie, but with the Hulk. That's...
0: <laughs> well, it, and we we talked a little bit about this yesterday. That the problem... Hulk can work in a situation like this because there's multiple other focuses and the problem with Hulk carrying his own movie and it's been a problem with the last two of them is you have an uncontrollable force of nature that can destroy anything and to have something for that to fight it involves a lot of contrivance and it can't just be the whole movie because it's not interesting To I mean it's Everybody talks about, you know, oh, I like to go to movies where stuff explodes, But, you know, two hours of the Hulk tearing down a city while the army shoots at him is not all that interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I would imagine there must be a way to do it. I mean, even on something like network televisions, once upon a time, they were able to tell a variation of the Red Riding Hood story where, you know, the, the culmination of the action is that Red finds out she's the wolf and they're, they're able to like drag that out until the very end of it, and it's like, ah, revelation, boom, done, you know.
0: <laughs> was... Well, yeah, but that works in one episode.
1: Yeah, but that would... one movie.
0: <laughs> uh, true, but uh, just look at uh, the one thing everybody who ever writes any kind of story is who is the character and what do they want? What, what does the Hulk want? The Hulk wants to be left alone. That's not exactly interesting. You know, and he's not gonna hide or sneak or do anything. It's gonna I'm gonna be left alone and helicopters chase him. It's a hard thing to make interesting. True. And when you've got the plot contrivance of Bruce Banner must remain calm to not be the Hulk, well then all he wants is to be calm. Watching a guy trying to get his Zen on for two hours is also No, not- but I
1: mean it- And I don't know if they have plans specifically for another Hulk movie, and it looks like, based on the ending of this movie, the next big bad, to use Whedon's own terms, is Thanos. But, uh, you know, if they had wanted to, they could have taken more cues from the Ultimates from which they took many plot points putting this together. And the next variation would have been, you know, the Hulk is the thing that the Avengers need to put down, or something...
0: (laughs) Yeah, I Along mean... Along those lines. Which could work. But uh, I'm just talking why the Hulk could work here, where he's not the primary focus, as opposed to his own movie. It's a hard thing if you're going to have the Hulk being a rampaging beast triggered by anger. On both sides of it, you got storytelling problems that are just going to be a mother crotch to try to solve. Which I think this movie, if the extrapolations I'm doing are even remotely correct, can solve a lot of those problems because... Now, if the Hulk is in any kind of control, maybe Banner decides that, okay, I will unleash him in certain circumstances in an attempt to do good, overcome problems, and try to maintain control. Then there's a constant tension on both sides of how much control, and you can actually have the Hulk have motivations and maybe some fucking dialogue beyond... Well,
1: he di- yeah, I mean, uh, in Marvel continuity over time, he develops his own persona, which is actually reasonably intelligent at this point in continuity. So, you know, how much of that mm-hmm. is because he he's allowed to be at the forefront and learn like a child yeah. and develop language and the ability to, to have a limited conversation.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, this felt like the smartest way they've tried to do the hulk in movies i still maintain the best way to do an actual incredible hulk movie is uh, do the gray hulk yeah the mean gray hulk who is clever if not intelligent yeah but smart enough that he thinks and does stuff beyond well
1: yeah because also then it gets back to my whole werewolf theory because you know when that it was supposed to be sort of a Changed by the moon, kind of thing, and crafty, and would come out at night. At yeah, originally. Yeah. So I don't, unless they're planning on rebooting back to Hulk Year One, which doesn't make sense at this point. Now that we've got a, a functioning Hulk in Avengers, <laughs> <And>
0: rebooted the <laughs> motherfucker twice. <laughs> yeah,
1: it doesn't make a lot of sense, but who knows? What else would you like to talk about? Were there were there characters? I mean, clearly, you know, if they got anything right in this movie, as they figured out the Hulk, were there characters in this movie that you you also felt were particularly well developed.
0: Well, I think uh, the, uh, the other standout uh, was Black Widow. Yes. Yeah, who is basically just a cipher in a cat suit in Iron Man 2, fleshing out the spy elements, the manipulation, you know, the ability to work undercover of anybody that particular character got development. Most of them didn't need development, you know. You, you want to know Iron Man's backstory, the the DVDs. There are movies, are,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, Captain America and, you know, the, the the two that needed development were Hawkeye and Black Widow and Black Widow got most of
1: it. Well, and also to a, a I think a lesser extent, Nick Fury. But, you know, you're by developing Black Widow, given her backstory, um, you are by extension developing Hawkeye and Fury because they're all kind of cut from the same cloth.
0: Yeah, but in particular with Black Widow, by focusing on her and with the character development that they did, where she's always in control, fears nothing, her character development wound up serving the Hulk because the thing that worked best for me in demonstrating the potential danger of the Hulk was the only thing that clearly doesn't even Unman make her, her. nervous, yeah. <laughs> terrifies yeah. her to the point she can't function, is the Hulk.
1: Well, so she, yeah, by she,
0: building her up and adding that bit of character business, it served the Hulk storyline where the Hulk is, let's face it, after 50 years, the Hulk is not inherently terrifying. You know, most of us our age grew up watching him green out Yeah, twice every Tuesday.
1: Yeah, it, she makes a... An interesting comment to uh, Hawkeye as they're beginning to gird for the actual alien war. And uh, he says to her, you're a spy. Why do you want to wade into the war now? Uh, and she says, I've been compromised. And it's such a loaded statement. Yeah. Um, because on the one hand, you'd be like, well, Loki said all those awful things to her about shit she did in the past. Right. Um, but on the other hand, after her encounter with the Hulk, um, she is clearly in shock, like fetal and rocking. And this is a girl who took out Russian military, you know, tied to a chair earlier in the movie, and and she's fetal and in shock because of the Hulk. I know,
0: <laughs> and I identified because when my doctor told me I couldn't drink this week because of the antibiotics, <laughs> I did exactly the same fucking thing. <laughs> but
1: doctor's not the Hulk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, he's got Hulk fingers. Oh, oh. <laughs> anyway,
1: this will never see broadcast. <laughs> But uh, yeah,
0: and frankly, the I'm compromised thing really didn't hit home until like the third viewing, as to yeah, that could really mean two or three different things because it doesn't make any sense for her to be on the Avengers. No, no. Realistically, it doesn't make any goddamn sense for Hawkeye to be on the Avengers either. But
1: no, but in in the '60s, he was, and and I I thought it was an interesting point that I mean, yeah, he didn't get quite as developed they shows out of the gate to okay if anybody's gonna get turned and, and be a zombie working for the bad guy for a while it's gonna be Hawkeye I wonder if that's their way of saying in Marvel continuity Hawkeye was originally a bad guy who then uh, eventually came around and was accepted by Captain America and welcomed into the ranks of of the Avengers
0: well it, it's possible I think uh, if any character got short shrift in this movie it was Hawkeye and I I wrote a little bit about this in in my review. Part of that makes sense. If you have multiple characters with a similar backstory, it doesn't make a ton of sense to you know, spend a lot of time saying, okay, uh, Black Widow was uh, trained in covert operations, and here's everything you know, she's done and knows how to do, and yeah, let's spend 20 minutes showing the same thing, only with a wang. <laughs> but the purpose Hawkeye serves in the comic has really been superseded in... Hawkeye in the comics is the anti-authoritarian, smart-mouthed, no, we're not going to do that.
1: Yeah, whenever Captain America says something, yeah, he's... Hawkeye's response is to always say no and fuck you.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but that role is clearly and rightly based on earlier characterizations in the first two movies served by Tony Stark. Right. So Hawkeye is there to look cool while he shoots arrows, <laughs> and if you're going to focus on... Black Widow's background as you know, Joss Whedon as the female character guru that he's proved himself to be. Of course, he's going to fucking do that.
1: Yeah,
0: Hawkeye was there to shake his fucking bow open in a cool way and in a couple different times and shoot arrows while looking at something else. And I think the way they treated him in this movie, which is okay, here's Hawkeye, and in the first five minutes, okay, you know what? you're brainwashed and off here because we just don't know what the fuck to do with you. Yeah. Uh, he shoots arrows and looks cool while he's doing it. You know, and he gets some cool lines. And he and did he gets, look cool while he was doing yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and he gets that one arrow to Loki, and you know, it's like, oh, shit, he took his shot, and the the exploding arrow, which was nice. And did you notice the arrowhead looked like the exploding arrowheads in the comics? It did. The ridged, yep. so that was a nice little bit of business. But Hawkeye's reason to exist in the comic books has been taken by other characters in the movies. It was purely, hey, Jeremy Renner, uh, I don't know, maybe he likes comic books and he's available and he's interested in signing a multi-picture deal to be part of a tentpole picture because, hey, why the fuck not?
1: That's like somebody saw him in Hurt Locker and said, yeah, he plays a good soldier, okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: But the the all the characters' reasons for existing in the comics are taken by other characters in the movies, and I think Whedon said, well, shit, what am I going to do with this guy now?
1: Yeah. I mean, in terms of the design, they clearly pulled from The Ultimates, Brian Hitch art or something. Yep. Um, Which is good because, you know, you don't want him running around in, like, purple and and blue with, you know, weird stuff flapping around on his face. Oakley's are way cooler. (laughs) Yeah.
0: No, that's true. The one thing I'll give it is with his whole remote control and motorized change of arrowheads, somebody finally... Has made some kind of sense as to how any of these Archer characters, be it Hawkeye or Green Arrow, can have the right trick arrow at the right
1: second. Yeah, I want second. that. Can they sell that in Cabela's because I want that.
0: <laughs> well, being an American, I could get you a gun, and then you don't have to know anything to blow stuff up.
1: No, no, the arrow is, in the bow and arrow is way cooler. And I probably couldn't pull that compound bow back if my life depended uh, on it. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I don't have that going for me.
1: So, yeah, I... Hawkeye was given somewhat short shrift, but he was still fleshed out by proximity. He was
0: fleshed out enough, you know, and he certainly did some cool stuff, but the reason people love Hawkeye in the comics has really been taken by other characters in the movies. And, you know, is that good? Is that bad? It, It just is. It's possible somebody will say, okay, uh, let's give uh, Jeremy Renner a Hawkeye movie, and they'll flesh him out, and he can do all that stuff there. But as part of the Avengers, I'm not sure he's going to get much more than this. He may be the Cyclops of the Avengers movies, where it's just, uh, okay, he, yes, he's he's cool, but let's uh, put him out of action so we can...
1: It's possible. I mean, it has do we know, has he signed for movies down the road?
0: I, I honestly don't know.
1: Yeah, because he could also be one. The, the Avengers... Always have such a large rotating cast of characters, you know, So he could be out on special ops, and that gives them the opportunity to bring in Hank Pym or something, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, they are talking an Ant Man movie, which supposedly uh, was it Edgar Wright, the guy who did Shaun of the Dead. Oh, really? Is attached to.
1: That'd be interesting. I mean, and and you know, Janet Van Dyne, um, the Wasp, yeah, was almost going to be the female lead character in this movie, except that they had Black Widow already. Kicking around, yep, and and Scarlett Johansson was still attached to play. So, you know, I, I think in the future it would be nice to see them bring in some more of the classic characters. And and since Marvel is developing all of these X Men movies, you know your ancillary characters who also come in and join the Avengers at various points in time, Wolverine, even Beast. Yeah, you know, but you know what that <laughs>
0: gets that gets into a whole different set of. Rights issues. It's uh, I think it's 20th Century Fox owns X-Men. the rights to X Men. Well,
1: who owns the rights to X Men First Class?
0: I think it's all the same thing. Is it? Okay. Yeah, I think that's why we got the uh, Chitari
1: instead of instead of the
0: Skrulls because I think the Skrulls are part of the Fantastic Four package that ah. some other studio has. That makes sense, and that's why you'll never see Spider Man or Daredevil in the Avengers. It's you know just those early deals that got those movies made. Other people have them.
1: That's all right. I'm sure there's a, a giant roster of well-known characters from the West Coast Avengers that haven't been tapped yet. <laughs> squirrel Girl. She's looking for shit. Squirrel Dude. Girl. 2014 Squirrel Girl. Oh, you gosh. heard it here first.
0: <laughs> Didn't we say right at the beginning? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that this will never see air? Yet. And, well, no.
0: <laughs> the titles that sound like pornography even I wouldn't watch.
1: Alright, other characters, we've talked about all the other characters I think that really need to be I, I thought actually, fi- as a final note on this um, the development of Captain America because Chris Evans every time I see Chris Evans in a superhero movie basically what I want to do is come home and then put in the losers
0: <laughs> Yeah, which is still one of the most undersung superhero movies in the last 4 or 5 years
1: yeah However, in this, I thought he did a really nice job playing a man out of time. A man who's so much clearly older than his physical body would indicate. That world weariness. The the way he's able to deliver the word son, as in son, don't do that <laughs> in a sentence. <laughs> and yeah. have it actually not seem hokey. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, th- there was a ton of work around that. From the way he fights, which is... Absolutely no modern Kung Fu ninja shit that oh, you Oh, Black see from... Widow
1: even calls him on it when she's watching him from afar. Oh, he's all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: to how he dresses, higher-waisted pants, yep. and no jeans, nothing like that. Um, Old school belt. Yep, <sighs> and, uh, yeah, it's setting him up as somebody from a completely different generation. Yeah. You know, that I think that was extremely well done.
1: The, the look of comfort and and mild joy on his face when he finally gets a reference that Nick Fury makes around flying yeah. monkeys. Yeah. Oh, I know that. Oh, I yeah. got that. <laughs> I got that one. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, good for you, buddy."
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think all the actors were well chosen and you know took care with it. Yeah, that's a particular one where he had particular issues that he you know had to do, but every character had some. Yeah. I mean. Chris uh, Hemsworth. I always forget if it's Hemsworth or Helmsworth.
1: Hemsworth, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, having to carry that stilted Thor dialogue and that fucking he's adopted was killer. Yeah. If there's a second character that got short shrift, I think it was Thor because just sort of shows up and the entirety of the backstory is uh, he's my brother and he seemed to know a lot of shit.
1: Yeah, and I'm wondering if that will be addressed in um, some of the deleted scenes, because he comes out and says, yeah, my brother has the ar- an army of Chitari and to my knowledge, having seen it twice now, they don't get far enough in their conversation when he abducts Loki for Loki to actually say the words, the Chitari just, I've been out, I've seen yeah. things.
0: Yeah, and we keep talking about the heroes, and I forget the actor's name who played Loki. That guy's fucking genius <laughs> Um, Just smarmy, Tom, arrogant Hiddleston.
1: Hiddleston, that Hiddleston. sounds right. Yeah,
0: now yeah, we'll look it up. And, <laughs> yeah, when Hulk bitch smacks him, it's so satisfying. I will not be
1: bullied. No, you'll be a rag doll. Yeah, <laughs> shut up and take it. <laughs> it's
0: satisfying because he's been such a cock through the entire thing. He was extremely effective.
1: Yeah, now so good on you, sir, for the Oscar you won't get.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a cartoon movie. You get dick.
1: We've actually worked pretty well through our our list here. I think the last thing I wanted to talk about is uh, here in the U.S. We didn't get to see it until May 4th was was the opening date. And it was opened much earlier internationally, as early as, uh, I want to say, the the 26th in, say, England.
0: Something like that. It was a week or two earlier.
1: um, Mumbai, other places, like everywhere but here. Right. And... um, I I read an article, um, there's something up on comicbookmovie.com that kind of addresses it also, that studios are doing this sort of thing because movie sales in the U.S. have been at historical lows. So the idea is if it's released abroad and it does well, that it'll it'll generate buzz and then Americans will want to go out and see the movie. And that to me just feels... I mean, I know it's it's cynical and it, it clearly... Seems to have worked in their favor for this movie, since they're up over 200 million with this box office take now. Well, it's
0: it's close to 550 million with the international, right?
1: But still, I feel that if they're worried about things like piracy, you know, their their rationale also was, you know, if we don't release it abroad when it comes out in U.S. markets, the the people in the international markets will just go out and pirate it. Um, and, and then they'll see it and they'll have no reason to go out to theaters to see it. Well, you know, what are we going to do here in the US? I mean, we, for the last two, three weeks, we've had the opportunity, if we wanted to, to get like a crappy German yeah. cam or telesync <laughs> that we could have downloaded um, to watch the movie repeatedly. You know, piracy doesn't come because somebody is too cheap to go see a movie. Piracy comes because the movie's not available. And I, I was just thinking, you know, we've seen it, you've seen it three times this weekend, I've seen it two times this weekend how much more money could they possibly have made if they would have released it all at the same time with also some sort of package available for like a, a streaming movie option over you know the Xbox and PlayStation networks or Netflix or something similar where say for $30 you could have it for 72 hours for unlimited viewing
0: <laughs> well we'll eventually get to the point where more and more movies are just available on demand as of released it that's going to be a a long, hard-fought battle. Technology will win that one, and yeah, a release will be it's on a server and you can stream it. And there will be still theaters who will stream it the same day. Y- you may see more of the luxury type ones that we went to, you know, yesterday, where they you
1: know, cater to give you
0: beer and massage your feet and you know, whatever the hell you.
1: They massage my feet. They wouldn't have got me out of there.
0: Yeah, but yeah, you know, that's
1: a a whole. And they also shouldn't have served food after. Yeah, I
0: mean the. <laughs> The way you deal with international piracy, you'll never make it totally go away. There's still going to be a market for people who, you know, buy home burns for a buck at the convenience store or at the corner. You know, and yeah, like you said, we we could have had this fucker in a watchable version a week and a half ago. Yeah, you know, we chose not to do it because you want to actually see the damn thing. Yeah,
1: but. I want to support the movie for what it is, but at the same time... I. You know, I'm already thinking, I want to go back, I want to see it a third time, because there's other little bits of business that I want to see. And and even in you know the second viewing today, we had this moment Well, third viewing for you, watching Black Widow, where she had her um, Widow's Sting bracelets on, and you and I both realized in the same moment, like, she only uses those once, and it took, you know, like...
0: Yeah, it took me till the third viewing, but I sort of had assumed until the third viewing that I just hadn't noticed,
1: because... Because of the shitty 3D?
0: Well, no, because it's <laughs> Scarlett Johansson. I'm surprised I noticed she had hands, or widow <laughs> stings, or even a head, but... No, no,
1: no you noticed her head, because she's got red hair. Well, yeah, sorry. have for redheads. Yes, but... And she doesn't unzip the sh- suit that far.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is a serious mistake, Whedon. But... <laughs> but and, and uh, forever <laughs> but uh, that's what the studios want they want you to uh, they don't want to make it so you can just you know have it and you know pay once and do that you know yeah we gave them uh, probably a grand total not counting food or anything 90 a 100 bucks this weekend yeah and we may go see it again this week to pick up those bits of business cuz yeah, there's there's a bit I, of business. I can't drink this week and I need <laughs> shit to do
1: I gotta say, there's a bit of business, and you know, if other people ha- have information on this and they want to email us, um, Ruffalo does a thing with his watch well before he ever hulks out, but while he's around um, Loki's uh, glow stick of destiny, um, where he's playing with his watch band, and I don't, I couldn't tell if I just missed something and he was putting his watch back on because he was working, or because he was just adjusting it because it was irritating him. Part of me wants to believe that he was already beginning to tell that he was having some problems and had slipped it out like a notch, so that it was wider than it was, which I think is just, if that's the case, a brilliant bit of just minor acting business that shows what Ruffalo brought to it. <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: which is cool. And then the comic geek in me says, uh, "Really, uh, one watch notch?" He, he turns it
1: because it was early. It was when he was just having the conversation with Stark about like, yeah, but you uh, know, I, I need mo- to let my watch.
0: I need to let my watch out if I have too much salty food with MSG in it. Well, he you turns don't, don't have the a problem Hulk. with
1: gamma rays now, do you? <laughs> I
0: don't know. I you want a convertible? <laughs> except for this, except for this week, I drink. I got nights I can't account for. <laughs> well, I know I'm playing with plutonium. I don't but think you are. You're right. That that would be cool and interesting. Actor. Business. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The one other big question that I have is: Does how this movie did get Justice League made?
1: Ah, uh, yes. Well, I think that'll also depend to a certain degree on how well the Superman movie does.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's a possibility. I mean, part of what I was thinking was uh, Avengers was interesting and worked in that they didn't spend a lot of time with backstory except for really Black Widow. They made the assumption, and they could make this assumption based on the earlier Marvel movies that came out from 2008 that you know who iron man and tony stark are you know who thor is you know who captain america is so yeah we can just jump right into the story
1: well yeah they they could make the argument yep you know who superman is you know who batman is and and make it you know from batman's point of view or something and then you know, they have a, a green lantern movie out there such as it is yeah <laughs> for those who who care about catching up on that um, and then maybe you spend a little bit of time, you know, with, with some backstory for Wonder Woman.
0: Yeah, but it's it would be a completely different situation. Because they, they were talking about greenlighting a Justice League movie four or five years ago by George Miller, who directed Mad Max. And they were going to do it just, you know, cast. I think it was unknowns. Maybe they were going to get Christian Bale. Maybe they were going to get... Uh,
1: Henry Cavill. Uh,
0: Brandon Routh.
1: Uh, okay. Because,
0: yeah, this is a while ago. But yeah, I mean, with the success of a team movie, it's almost a no-brainer for Warner Brothers. Yeah, Somebody is on the phone on the West Coast right now saying, we have to do it. We have our own team. It even has some press now because of the DC New 52. That's right. Could you do it with... Because Christian Bale's out of his contract. Yeah, Henry Cavill just started one, but who knows how that movie's going to do. I mean, Zack Snyder clearly can make a good superhero movie for comic book fans. You know, <clears throat> I enjoyed Watchmen.
1: Well, they can um, get away also with casting other people than people who have currently been in the various roles if they decide to go a similar route to what they've done with the new 52 and say all of this stuff takes place at least five years previous to what you know now. And Yeah,
0: but I mean, not even with the story, however they do the story. You would need a new Batman. You might be able to carry over Superman, but do you even want to? Because right now it's an unknown quantity and Snyder's coming off Sucker Punch. Well, and do that's you really, why... You know, after Superman returns and Snyder's Sucker Punch, do you really count anybody who's not Christopher Reeve? Well, exactly. Being able to carry a that's, Superman That's movie? why
1: I said it's going to depend, I think, in part on how this new Superman movie does in terms of if it would happen and if it does happen, what it would look like.
0: Yeah, but from a practical standpoint, do you think... People could buy, okay. It's just, it's a Justice League movie. Here is Superman, you know who that is. Here's Batman, you know who that is. Here's realistically, most of who you would put in a Justice League movie, people know. You know, Flash, maybe a little dicey, but he had a TV show 20 years ago.
1: I think it depends on the kind of story that you want to tell. The one difference between a Justice League movie and an Avengers movie is the. The focus of the Justice League is very much on a certain particular moral code, which is upheld by the fact that you're rallying around Superman. Yeah, Whereas
0: you could even argue against that based on that certainly and how it is in the new Fifty Two. Well,
1: it's, it, you're right. However, I think over time they they sort of cleave to Superman and and. Historically,
0: <laughs> yes, that is what you'd want to do, and
1: that's the way it goes. Um, and you've always got Batman there on the sidelines, just in case Superman goes wrong.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Whereas you know, with the Avengers, you, you've got a bunch of people who who want to do right, but are very much individuals. And if they need to work solo, they will for the purposes of getting it done, not necessarily because it's right, but because it needs to be done. They, I mean, in this movie, they definitely cast a darker purpose to a certain degree over Fury's own actions in that it was a very large chess game where he's taking a great number of risks for the purposes of creating a, a super team that would be a deterrent to other alien nations, as opposed to, no, we need to get this group together because it's the right thing to do. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, uh, when the Justice League first got together it was to repel an alien invasion back in 1960, whatever. But it wasn't
1: because the, there wasn't an outside government entity pulling strings.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, uh, now we're talking story differences. You could easily have that. You know, you could have
1: Well, the Justice Society, didn't they have government ties? Uh,
0: eventually once the war started. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but you could easily, you know, uh, Amanda Waller and Checkmate instead of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, just ape everything Marvel did. You could do it. You know, I'll throw it back to you. You know, historically, the Avengers rally around Captain America. Right. Which I don't think really came across in this movie. It was, they came together as individuals. Everybody no. brought their own thing.
1: Yeah, there was...
0: Captain America had a leadership moment at the yeah. end where Tony Stark said, call it out, Cap, and it was just the strategy of that moment
1: yeah i think uh, there was a certain amount of of pre-movie press that said oh yeah it's going to be kind of from captain america's point of view but it really wasn't
0: yeah i didn't get any particular point of view because yeah if you do it like the comic books it's captain america if you do it like i've read in interviews with robert downey jr early in this the intention was to make it rally around iron man and that didn't happen
1: no if anything, you know, yeah, the focal point is Agent Coulson.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wish I had a beer to pour out for Agent Coulson.
1: Yeah. RIP Agent Coulson. Spoiler.
0: <laughs> but he lives on. I, I think even with the, the same voice as Principal Coulson, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, which is not very good. It's not very good. But <laughs> if you need your Coulson fix, there's something desperately wrong with you to start <laughs> with. But there you go.
1: But yeah, to to as my final thought on your on your Justice League point, yeah, it could happen. It's something probably to look for. I'm, I'm Warner Brothers would be foolish to not have their own group movie in the face of the success of this. But given that their own individual hero titles have been um, variably successful, um, some of them not very successful at all, they would be cautious. They would need to be cautious.
0: Yeah, and from a practical standpoint, I think you're right. Uh, I'll go so far as to predict if Man of Steel is a hit, Justice League will be immediately greenlit. Yeah. Because, okay, great. Because then it solves a story problem. Everybody rallies around Superman. You have a popular Superman. We'll start hearing in the next couple weeks rumblings of scripts being written and...
1: They got to do something to, to lock Ryan Reynolds down a little bit more thoroughly because, you know, Marvel now has another huge hit on their hands. I bet Deadpool's looking a little bit more attractive.
0: Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> and from a nut cutting standpoint, Jeff Johns need a hit. He yeah, needs a
1: hit. He does. Uh, he's
0: <sighs> Let's do one last quick thing that I don't have an answer in my head yet. Okay. We want to add one Avenger for the next movie. I
1: want to add one Avenger for the next movie.
0: We may have stumped the both of us, because I don't have an answer in my head.
1: Well, no, I think actually the answer to that question is, actually, I, I have two, th- two ways that could go. Okay. You add the wasp. Okay. Because that would be an interesting take on another female being added to the, to the mix. I can buy that. Although, adding her without adding Hank Pym is a little weird.
0: Yeah, well, uh, again, Ant-Man may be a property coming up anyway, so that may be what we see.
1: Or you add Sharon Carter on the S.H.I.E.L.D. side. So Ms. Marvel. Yes. Okay. But yet you, you start her as a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent.
0: See, I'm sitting here trying to think. I'm not sure who yet. You've you've already got the classics. So any answer I pull out, I'm really pulling on my ass because, you know, you want to go with the gimmies of uh, Spider-Man or Wolverine and all the ones we already talked about you can't possibly have. So you, you're down to a limited roster anyway.
1: Your, your other options are to find an excuse for Black Widow and Hawkeye to to have things to do, wet work elsewhere or something, and you bring in Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch.
0: No. You know who I want? Okay. I want Squirrel them. Girl? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I want the vision, but I want the vision written as Machine Man, as written by Warren Ellis. Just a drunken, surly, misanthropic awesome. machine who now has to deal with Tony Stark, who wants nothing more than to take him apart.
1: That would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. My only caveat, though, is if, you, if you've got the vision, you have to have Wanda there.
0: And so, I don't think you can, because that may be part of the whole... Quicksilver Children of Magneto X-Men package. We may never get Skullgirl.
1: Yeah, we may Ridge. never get them. But we could get Squirrel Girl.
0: And we could get Vision. Because nobody wants Vision.
1: Little, or it, Squirrel Girl. <laughs> Squirrel Girl will hook, will hook up with anybody. Then you could have little cyborg babies with buck teeth and tails. I've been drinking.
0: <laughs> and I'm done masturbating. So <laughs> forever. It's all over.
1: So, do you have any final, other final thoughts or...
0: Just that I think back to 2006 when Marvel Studios started talking about we're going to do an Iron Man movie. And I'm thinking of all the stupid fucking things you could do. Nobody gives a shit about Iron Man. Nobody cares about that character. And just from I think really from a couple of good choices of a good director and exactly the right casting choice. I. I. Can't believe six years after first hearing that, we got a huge scale superhero team movie. And not just that, but one just done absolutely dead right. It's it's the best superhero movie I've ever seen. Yeah, And we're in a summer with a promising looking Spider-Man reboot and the final Christopher Nolan Dark Knight. And right now I could give a fuck. Yeah. I don't think it's going to get go better I just want to see The
1: this. Avengers again.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. And I guess we'll leave it at that. So uh, thank you again for joining us on this hopelessly uh, periodic podcast. This has been Episode 9, Double Fisting Justice. Here at Crisis on Infinite Lives, I'm Rob.
1: I'm Amanda. And,
0: uh, thanks again for checking in. And Dermot.